Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Avatar, the last airbender. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today is the last day of week 16. We are talking about Avatar, the last airbender, book two, Earth, and episodes 19, The Guru, and 20, The Crossroads of Destiny. And I feel like we have to start off with, um, is there the opposite of a Caldwell? Because that's yeah. what you got, Elson. <laughs> yeah, I got a called badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not so much the the Zuko and Aang team up that almost, know, almost. But but then Aang saw his eyes and went, "Oh, nope, that's not happening." Yep. Ooh. Oh, Zuko. Choices. We're not angry, Zuko. We're disappointed. just disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Azula always lies. Azula always lies. Oh, what, <laughs> Noel what a has a, Listeners at home, Noel has the same thing written in his notes in all caps. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but seeing the dragon of the, was it East? Or I did call that. Dragon I called that. I yeah. called that he was the dragon of the West. So at least I've got that one. That was a couple of days ago, though. And but seeing it like like in person was really really cool. <laughs> it was extremely cool. Yeah, it turns out all that tea drinking wasn't just because he enjoys tea. <laughs> I bet different teas make different kinds of flames. I'm I'm actually just guessing. This is not something that actually gets confirmed over the series, so don't read into that. It's too bad if he drank jasmine tea and then spat flowers. I would have mm-hmm. just that would have been amazing. Yeah. Flower flames. You also did get a call that on uh, Toph getting out. You just probably didn't expect it to be that way. No. <laughs> How cool. Ugh. I, You know, it satisfies a question that I've had sort of lingering, which is, um, you know, obviously the earth is made up of many more things than earth and fire and air and water but so much of the world is created for if not everything is created by at least one or more of those things in some combination right so i was like like when we were talking about if you can bend humans um because we're whatever percent water so it makes sense to me that like that somebody as sophisticated at what she does as toff would be able to sort of push past what it seems like the element is and get down to the root to like the elements of the chemical formula, essentially. So cool. Really, really cool. Um, And I, I really hope that they both are covered in pee now. (laughs) Kidnappers. Good times. Yeah. Having like the combination of welcome to metal bending tops of badass. And yeah, you're, you're good to continue standing Iroh because he's on team avatar. Uh, and very likely may have been this whole time just trying to like poke Iroh or sorry, poke Zuko on his journey um, is just really satisfying. So while it's very much a loss, it's like a devastating loss, this finale, what, you know, where they end up, uh, there's so many wins within that loss that it's hard to feel like it's anything other than another triumphant it's like- awesome finale. Bad news that contains lots of individual pieces of good news for our heroes. But there is so much bad news that I wanted to do something for for Noel. Oh, okay. Just for Noel. Look what it is. It's gin. Yes. And ice. I mean, I don't drink gin and ice because the one time I did that, I got very, very, very 
very, very, very sick. God <laughs> damn it. It's just, is it just gin? What? You drink just gin? Yeah, I just drink gin wine and like ciders, and that's basically well, right. All I but drink. you drink gin on its with, own with ginger beer, uh, right? Ginger, like some sort of ginger base, yeah. Oh, um, so ah, I, could, I can yeah. do that. Okay, <laughs> hold please. Okay. <laughs> she also had another called it with um, Ira and Toph best friends because of the whole hey. <laughs> oh forever best friends forever um this is a verner's uh drink oh, nice. of champions um which i just recently found in a i wish i could grab a lime but i'm not gonna get up again uh which i recently found in a target inexplicably it used to just only be available in michigan anyway um yeah i've got a, a little tiny called ish on that i think um yeah. I, but I didn't do well, guys. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, like, I appreciate all the bones you're throwing me. It's almost like you're trying to cheer me up from um, the incredible losses uh, it, of these episodes. Um, it's almost like that. It's almost like we're focusing on the positive instead of all of the negative. Like the, the, the fall of the entire Earth Kingdom. Yeah, um, that seems bad. That seems like a bad thing. Azula, the plan nope. of we're going to attack during the eclipse. Uh, yeah, also not good. Yes, um, not good. Earth King. Yeah. Earth King. Bad Earth King. Bosco was not excited about them. Clearly trust Bosco. Well, and I think he also, he, he's either got to trust Bosco and be observant of Bosco or have less trust in Bosco. Because yes. Bosco is, you know, not a particularly emotive being. No, he's no <laughs> Momo. Yeah, he's no Momo. But. Oh, Momo. <sighs> in his little earthbending pot. Poink. <laughs> yep. That was really funny. Was Sad, funny. but also very funny. Okay, let's let's start with the guru, and uh, the way where I need to start with the guru is those visuals because <sighs> holy cosmic ang, right? Yeah, this episode did not need to go so hard, and they did, and I'm so glad. Stunning, terrifying, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you could just talk about the way that it looks visually. All of the individual visits, both like all of the chakras, both where they're actually doing the meditation and having their conversations and the spaces that he goes into and the things that he sees. But obviously, especially the end, that path leading up to the avatar state and when it collapses, oh, um, it's very intense. It is. And it's so powerful looking, but it's also really scary. And it doesn't look quite human, but somewhat human because of how they're shadowing it um, and outlining it. But it's got all the arrows in the right place. Um, it's just, it's a really weird, perfect kind of representation of this cosmic power uh, that you can wield. Um, and yeah, it's just really, it's really cool. And I really like it still to this day. It's one of my favorite visuals in the show. Yeah. Oh, man. The uh, the confusion and frustration as they go through the chakras and then end, and, and like his connection to Katara is the answer to the one chakra. And then the last chakra is like, that's cheating. Wait, that cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Um, yeah. That's how, that's how a lot of enlightenment works. So, Aang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's, how, that's how a lot of learning works. Like, these are the rules. Mm. Okay, those weren't really the rules, but I just told you the rule, those were the rules because it's easier that way. So now here's how all the ways they aren't the rules. Um, yeah. Except I, for one. Azula always lies. Yes. yes. Except for that one. 
Uh, Diego says, I'm glad the show has mostly shied away from traditional hero's journey with a wise master stepping in fallible heroes like or masters like Katara and Toph. And if they had to do it, I'm glad it wasn't more than a 20 minute episode. So like, how having... dare you, Diego, suggest that Toph is fallible? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but no, he, he is. He's very much like, no, I have the answers. These are the answers yeah. and because they want the the episode to be instead about. Instead of questioning that, which I think if they were doing a longer arc, they absolutely would. They can just focus on how does Aang process and deal with these um, yeah. answers if, you know, we're just going to shortcut like like the, I bet he's brainwashed. Like, don't worry, because what matters is how they react to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, Diego. Um, I still really enjoy the, the guru, though. I think the I enjoy the character design. I always enjoy Brian George when he shows up. Uh, people, most people just know him as Babu on Seinfeld, but, you know, he's been around forever and he's really great so i enjoyed his voice performance here um and just it, it's just such a different energy and vibe to the show watching and just learn just nothing else just let's learn because uh, usually they're doing a lot of other things with him um so i i really enjoyed that part of it do you guys have any other thoughts on the ang portion of the guru well, I will say for Allison's sake, the next time she makes a gin cocktail is that onion and banana juice also goes great with gin. <laughs> Can I have some onion and banana juice, please? Oh, oh, oh got me right in my feelings. Yeah. Just what a good reminder of how young he is. Oh, yikes. Yeah. I mean, it would be really easy to get frustrated with the fact that he goes through the chakras really quickly. But like Diego says, like, Going through it in 20 minutes actually I feel like really works because being an airbender and the sense of how that culture works, a lot of this is more so reminding yourself to be, which is something I feel like that the airbenders have always really prized. And so working through that and really specifically working through the various experiences that he's had leading up to this point, which is what we mostly see aside from his loss of love with allowing an entire culture to be uh, completely wiped out um, is really, really good. And like that whole sequence of him watching the airbenders just go into clouds of smoke, um, just clouds into clouds, really not even clouds of smoke, just clouds, which is also really touching was really, really great. That's, that is also one of my favorite visuals from the, this two-parter is, is that whole thing of the airbenders and him coming to terms with that grief. Yeah. Diego says is very Empire Strikes Back, the finale, leaving yes. before he's done fully training and then still losing. He's like, yeah, stay on Dagobah. Come on. Yeah. What are you, you doing? Know, always <laughs> stay on Dagobah. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. K- Katara's a badass. She'll be okay. Stand Dagobah, finish your training, <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, the, yeah, but I liked, uh, again, keeping it to 20 minutes, really racing through the chakras. You get the sense that, like, his training, like his or his childhood leading up to getting frozen in the ice um, did a lot of the groundwork so that he was able to do this. Like, I can't imagine any of our other characters being able to progress through even one of the, the chakras as quickly as Aang does. Yes. But for him, I, I definitely buy it. Do you have any other thoughts on the Aang part of this episode, Allison? Hmm. I don't think so. I I think it's... It's a really straightforward but effective choice to make it that 
the very thing that he's hesitant to finish in his training, the hurdle that he encounters that he's having a hard time getting past is also exactly the thing that calls him away. Like what hope could there possibly be? Um, but there is something also incredibly satisfying about him realizing, no, I really need to do this and just making a little earth hut for himself and yeah. hunkering down to get it done in the middle of this battle. I thought was very, very cool. Although I guess that's in the next episode. So there you go. There's our transition. Yeah. <laughs> um we have uh Sokka gets to see his dad who's very oh, lovely uh, who's definitely his father's son <laughs> uh the, the little call back the to that with Bato's sink the stinking sink uh, oh bless it was very sweet I get a little teary when he like runs up to his dad and they hug and I'm just like <laughs> yeah it's nice to see Sokka acting like a kid yes. in the like softer sense as opposed to mm -hmm. acting like a, a teenage boy who's a little bit of a butthole i mean amazing i love him mm -hmm. but kind of a butthole um and here it's just like he's just a kid and it's yeah. very it was very sweet um we talked about tough earth bend or uh, metal bending which yeah. is very cool i liked the <laughs> i like that the teacher like it's not accurate the teacher would know better it should have been maybe the other way around where the teacher's like, no, don't listen to the kid saying, I have to go to the bathroom. They just are trying to get out of class, right? Like, <laughs> but th that was a good, fun dynamic. Um, then we have uh, Katara. What did you think of her stuff with the generals? And then the, you know, where we end up with her. Hmm. <sighs> it's not the best part of the episode. She lacks a lot of like overall agency in the guru, which is really frustrating because she ha she basically functions that episode to be captured. Um, and the entire time you're watching it, you're sort of going, wait, it's a little weird. She hasn't checked in with Suki yet. Yeah, she should have been? immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weird. And there's that narrative convenience level of the whole thing of never checking in with Suki and then stumbling across the tea shop, um, the green, the jasmine dragon, or whatever they decided to call it, um, which that tea shop just looks amazing, and I would go there all the time. Um, yeah, exactly, Marcus, and stopping for tea while on an important assignment. It's all, like, very sort of driven to get her into the crystal catacombs and captured by the Dai Li. Um, and that's, that's frustrating. I also, like, I thought that they should have been able to tell that Destiny's Child are not Suki. Like, they shouldn't have been... Like, yes, if you know, it's very bold paint. Don't get me wrong. But they should... I mean, and they have only spent a limited amount of time with Suki. But still, I felt like that was a bit too much. Yeah. Um, oh, Diego says, I will say I enjoy Katara asking for a table for two because of Momo. It's a, a very good point. It's a very good point. Well, then, how about Azula and Iroh and 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 Zuko? I mean, Azula just very slowly, and this kind of also sinks into crossroads mm -hmm. um, of just slowly taking control of the Dai Li really subtly. Uh, is just so delicious. And watching Long Fang think, <laughs> "She's a little girl. I can handle this." And it's, buddy, you're never even a player. <laughs> never even a player i've got a whole be prepared speech prepared in these scary caves what hope do you think you have <laughs> that speech was pretty and poetic but scary in a good way <laughs> no none of this is okay so no azula is great and we'll talk about the fight at the end um but azula just slowly making moves across things and then just being like 
No, no Agni Kai for me, but thank you. I'm going to walk away now while my Dai Li agents destroy you. Yeah. Why would just... I possibly fight fair? Yeah. How does it yeah. help me to fight fair? I have an army behind me. That's very dumb. It's, it's yeah. so refreshing to see that. Yeah, well, and yeah. what I like about that is, and this is a bit of a stereotype, but I do think that there's um, a sort of, I challenge you to a duel energy that's very male in terms of what we typically think of yeah. as masculine, Captain right? Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like, no, exactly. Exactly like the end of Captain Marvel, Kate. That's a really great comparison. It's like, no, I don't, why, I don't have to do that this doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I just wish that she were awesome instead of terrible. And then I could be really jazzed about that moment. Marcus says, it's yeah. not even about fighting fair. Why would I purposely hand- handicap myself just to satisfy you? Yeah. That's dumb. No, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Well, then let's talk about, let's go to our finale then. Um, Shall we start with that insane, awesome, ridiculous fight scene? Because it is so good. How do the fight scenes keep getting better? <laughs> Crystal Catacombs, man, just gorgeous place for this final fight, too. It just is so good. Uh, but I really, I, I really want to hear what Allison thinks. Oh, I wish I would get, and maybe I need to check out the special features on the old Blu-ray, but I would give so much to be able to listen in on what the conversations are like when they were scripting this battle. Like how clearly we, they knew where they were going with the Dragon of the West at some point because they dropped that nickname. And I mean, it's an incredible thing, but um but in terms of the way that it's structured, um, the standoff and what happens when Zuko joins the fray and the sort of reversing of who is battling who, just the way that it's structured, I would love to hear how those decisions were made because it's so well done, just incredibly well done. And the end is so devastating that, again, I'm I'm drinking a, a uh, Noel Kirkpatrick um, <laughs> because I just it was. So t- I think my mouth was open the entire time. Yeah. The, the, like you said, like the decisions to make those kinds of shifts in the fight choreography um, are really uh, great because. And Iroh's entrance. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it's all really good because like you get that call back to um, uh, the chase with kind of a standoff uh, with Azula surrounded, but this time just by Katara and Aang. And she can, she can you can kind of see it in her eyes that she's making calculations and that she's pretty sure she's outmatched, but she's not sure. Um, but then, you know, Zuko shows up and changes everything. And then even when Azula's potentially on the ropes against Katara, fucking Zuko just firebends and breaks that water chain thing that basically stops her from properly bending. Yeah. So cool. And it's just, it's so good. Um, like you said, like the, the shifting up of the fight partners really works well. There's that callback to that big rock suit that uh, Toph does in Bitter Work mm-hmm. uh, that Aang has to push. And he makes it out of crystal. And you're just like... That's so cool. That was a very uh, anime moment, right? I was trying to think of what it reminded me of. Um, What's that old school one where the guys in like all blue? You know what I'm talking about? Like it's like a like 80s or something. Mm -hmm. It's like a superhero Japanese character. Can't remember his name. Somebody listening will know what I'm talking about. Hit me up on Twitter. But um, 
yeah, I, I just immediately thought of just so many different, it's, it was very reminiscent. I thought it was a really cool way to, to throw that little nod in there without, yeah. while still feeling very much of the world. And as Marcus points out, unfortunately, not very effective. Yeah. And no, it's not. Um, yeah. And then, like Allison alluded to, that little bit at the end is sort of like where all my appreciation for Azula really comes from. Because you never attack during the transformation sequence. That's just rule number one in any types of these shows. You don't attack Sailor Moon when she's turning into Sailor Moon. Even though that transformation sequence is like a minute and a half long, you just let her turn into Sailor Moon so she can kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Azula goes, nah, I'm going to sneak up behind him and shoot him in the back. And it's just like, oh, you don't play by any of the rules, Azula. That's not okay. And it's why I love you. <laughs> they did a really good job of seeding the things we needed to know, right? Mm-hmm. So making us think that the, the fancy water was like going to be a Zuko thing. Yes. So that they could use it later. We need to talk about that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Doing the um, thinking that they're reminding us about the like if you get killed while you're in the avatar avatar state, the avatar line ends thing because we're talking about the avatar state. That's one of the few things we know. When actually it's no, not so much. Um, uh, oh, Marcus says I was I was like, why would you waste this on his scars? Uh, <laughs> yes, his scars. Yeah. Um. It, so they they did again. Like it's craft of the writing and how they're piecing everything together just like all season we've been watching them steadily build up their characters abilities so that we could have this like completely epic ridiculous fight scene at the end and be like yeah i totally buy katara and be like katara is a water betting master remember how at the start at the end of last season or at the start of the season we were like seems like that was a little quick for her to go from i don't know any water bending to you're a master now like We've watched her actually become a water ben- waterbending master, and I fully believe that she would be the equal to Paku at the North Pole, where where she is at this point. It's yeah. really impressive, and to have that feel organic and really earned is very exciting. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we talked yesterday about how cool it is to watch them all level up, but I think this is like the team levels up because it gets Iroh mm-hmm. like. Like what? Um, I this is a loss, but wow, that is a hell of a recruitment mission. Um, Weld, even if they actually secretly already had him the whole time, it's that's a big boost uh, to old Team Avatar. Um, and we watch Sokka hold his own, and we watch Katara do all of this amazing stuff, and Toph's metal bending, but also the earth bending she does. It's, I meant to say this yesterday, it's also really thrilling to watch them work in sync when Aang and Katara are water bending together, or Toph and Aang are earth bending together, um, to see them work as a unit. It's the kind of thing, it just is uh, such a really good. It's an Avengers thing. It's like watching yeah. the, the, the superheroes all yeah. use their the diff- different characters' strengths in a new and unique way they can only do because they're together. Right. Well, and it's also a great narrative shortcut because we don't get to spend necessarily a ton of time watching them all get to know each other on an intimate level. There are moments of that, right? But it's not as though we've seen episode after episode of Aang and Toph and Katara and Toph getting to know each other on a really intimate level. Um, 
but when they do that, when they work in concert with each other perfectly, wordlessly, it's a great way of sort of underlining how connected they are and how unified they are without necessarily having to spend all that time when the episodes are so short. Um, so yeah, I just, all of it, watching them all as a team and as individuals get stronger over the season and even over these two episodes has been a total thrill. Yeah. The one part of the episode where I was like, guys, what are you doing? Uh, it was when Sokka and Toph go to save the Earth King. And I'm like, why? Go save one of the generals. Because the generals could probably do something useful. <laughs> because the, the Earth King is useless. You'll be like, we've got the king. And they'll be like, yeah, nobody cares. They, nobody even really knows what he looks like. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't really have any abilities. Like, mm -hmm. go save that general guy right there. <laughs> was that the only one? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it's a weird sort of, it's a weird sort of thing of, they think that they need to save, like, the political authority of the kingdom, mm -hmm. but that was Long Fang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is the bad news for everyone is that was Long Fang. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's very much a, we need to save the leader so we can install him later on the event that we can, like, whatchamacallit, liberate Bossing Se, which... Good luck with that. Um, and just watching all of that kind of work, um, it makes sense from like a kid's perspective. It doesn't make sense from like an adult perspective of, no, maybe just keep him. Maybe save Bosco, but maybe <laughs> keep the Earth King. <laughs> Marcus says, and they hid when the general approached too. They were actively not saving the generals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Oh, hey, that reminds me. I have... Um, speaking of comments from listeners, uh, Keenan oh. got tied up in a work thing, but she texted me, wanted to make sure I said, I am so worried about all my buddies, but man, they got to check the room before they keep blurting their business in front of enemies, <laughs> um, which yeah. I agree. Get it together, team. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Do we have any other other elements we want to talk about? Well, any final thoughts on Zuko? We need to discuss Zuko. Yeah, yeah. we need to discuss Zuko and Katara in particular. Uh, the show's true OTP, uh, no matter what the show thinks. Um, <laughs> Marcus yeah. is still worried about Suki. Yeah. Yes, we needed a Suki update. Mm -hmm. We didn't get one. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I really appreciate it, especially over these... Um, oh my god, I also kind of ship uh, Katara and Zuko, Scotty says, and yeah... You should. Um, they have better makes, chemistry. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we can talk about that more in season three. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, but I think that I think that the arc of Zuko goes through, particularly in these like last three episodes, um, is just so powerful and really, really good and really, really interesting. And watching it kind of culminate with this moment of sheer vulnerability with Katara discussing moms in a not, did you just say Martha uh, sort of way <laughs> um, that I just really, really love that that's kind of the culmination of, can I really be good? And what does that mean? And we're thinking all about like everything that Aang's having to give up in terms to tap into the avatar state. But we're, again, parallel storytelling with our characters. Everything Zuko has to, like, let sloth off of him to be good and decide what his destiny is and decide what his honor is as opposed to Azula manipulating that with, you restored your own honor today. Zula always lies. 
And just watching all of that play out and break apart for Zuko is just gut-wrenching because he's made so much progress. And then to do the whole button of Iroh looking at him and then looking away, it's just like... Just... Yeah. Yeah. Allison, how did you feel about it? Um, I think is a pretty good... I'm going to go ahead and quote you. This is... This is why I sometimes get paid money to write about television. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, only mine is like... Um, yeah, I, they just... It's odd because Zuko's journey so far, right up until about now, should be the uh-huh. one that's sort of the most predictable. But they've done such a good job with it that I'm especially in the last five or six episodes that I was so on board for what exactly what I thought the story was going to be because of all of the markers that we'd had, all of the big signifiers. This was his big moment. He's received all of this love. He's gotten this rehabilitation arc. He he had his I was allergic to being good fever. All of these things leading up to this moment of decision where he's got um, the yin and yang staring right at him, right? We heard their voices in his dream. They're right there. And the place that that story should go isn't where it goes. And it was such a gut punch. I felt like they were using the, using storytelling tropes, using these markers on the hero's journey right. against us, like yes. weaponizing them. So smart. So upsetting. The entire mm-hmm. finale is weaponizing our story expectations. Again, like that whole thing of Zulu. Azula attacking Aang from behind as he's about to go into the Avatar state yeah. is very much about it weaponizing our expectations against us. And the finale and these last two episodes in particular do such a great job about that. Um, I do want to ask Kate, mm-hmm. um, when your father was trying to come into the room, he was <laughs> giving a bunch of theories about what mm-hmm. he thought was going to happen, including that he thought Zuko was going to teach Aang firebending. How did he feel about this <laughs> Face, heel, face, face, heel turn that occurred in these last couple episodes. We haven't really had a chance to talk about it yet. Okay. I had to, I had, we watched yesterday and then I had to immediately go upstairs and edit yesterday's podcast. Um, okay. So we will, we will see. Okay. Um, hopefully they'll be able to join in on Monday and then they can see yeah. it themselves. But I will say that my dad uh, was like, oh, so is this show still going? I was like, No. <laughs> And I was like, oh, when was it on the air? I was like, 2005. She's like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. It's old. I said, I, and I said, but there is a sequel series, Legend of Korra. He's like, hmm? So I feel like we may be watching some Korra in, in the bunker, uh, even if we don't do it for the podcast. Because right now, guys, it is not streaming. We, we have not made a decision on that. But um, it, it's really frustrating that Korra is not easily accessibly streaming anywhere um to go back to zuko scotty says i'm heartbroken and fascinated with zuko's journey i so thought zuko would never stand by his sister again regardless of whether or not he stood by ang and company so to end with his him standing at her side is so unsettling and hard to see um i said i think i said this yesterday but i resisted feeling sorry for the angry violent kid but now i am so invested in his story and when you I mean with the context as well of like emotional and physical abuse like Unfortunately, that's what happens for a lot of people. It's it's you you want them to choose the thing that is healthier and better for them, but they will instead choose what they know. Um, so yeah, it's 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 both exactly what you you guys were both saying of weaponizing our expectations of the narrative against us as viewers, but also it's more it's more honest. 
Yes. Um, even if it's hard yes. to watch. And that's, it's just not the story we usually get told because it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I will freely admit every time everyone was just like, I'm not going to get invested in Zuko, especially through book one. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit into book two, I was just like, <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> You're going to be. The show's very good at what it does. <laughs> um, for me, last detail, I loved that they made sure to put the lightning scar on his foot. On yes. His foot. It's There's very good detail. Details like that. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on this finale? Either from anybody who's hanging out in the chat. So Marcus, Diego, or Scotty, or Noel and Allison. Do you have any final thoughts? I did like Azula's speech to Longfang. Because um, it just breaks him so quickly. Um, which, I mean, Azula just keeps rolling nat 20s on her charisma checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, no. I, 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 I'm glad that we're done with season two and that we can get into season three, which I don't remember very well. I remember it even less well than I remember season one. So I'm actually really excited because I have not watched season three nearly as much as I have watched seasons one and two. So I'm very excited. Um, and I hope you all are too. Oh, I, uh, I did not appreciate the moment this morning when I had to tell Tom that because this is the season finale and then it's a weekend, (laughs) we don't get to start season three until Monday. Um, He, he was not pleased. And then like an hour went by and then he went, not watching Avatar sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's where the Shoemaker Mormon household is at. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus says it felt a little too easy for Azula to take over the Dai Li. That's like rolling 20 nat, nat 20s in a row. Um, I I agree that it was easy. It seemed easy. But I think that's because I think I think they earn it. I don't, And for me, I don't think she needed to run roll 20 nat 20s. I think it's because they are much more loyal to power than they are to anything else. Which is um, a good point. And so and they can I they immediately can recognize her power. Um, and that's also why, you know, Lo Fang switches, like resigns himself so quickly because he just knows that he can't win. Um, so for me that, that worked, but, um, it also, I think it also underscores this thing of like, oh, they say they're doing this to preserve, preserve the cultural heritage. I was like, no, they're doing this because they want power. They like having power. And I think, I think underscoring that narrative with your secret police rather than no, we're the true patriots, I think is really nice. I really appreciate that. And it also, like, just you mentioning that also, it reminds me that it he gets himself trapped in that whole monarchical society thing that he clawed his way through to get to where he was, and then has to succumb to it after manipulating it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching the system basically destroy him, in a way, is really delightful. Yeah. yeah. You know, what we haven't talked about, uh, which we should at least quickly, because we've already run long, um, is uh, Iroh and Aang. Oh, right. Oh, buddies. Another true OTP right there. Yeah. Iroh makes friends with everyone, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, we knew that, but he makes friends with everyone, and I love it. Allison, that's all I have to say. So yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I feel like when you spend a lot of time with characters, you find yourself wishing that, like, unlikely team-up time would happen for certain pairings, and then it does, and you're not disappointed. And this is maybe the best example of that. Like the best, it's it's up there with with Ava and Mick Rory being yeah. thrown together on Legends. It's like that. I it fills me with that level of joy, um, and I and I love that 
their sort of first moment of connection? Because I assume Iroh is going to be having heart to hearts with everyone all the time, helping Sokka figure out that he would be a great massage therapist, stuff like that. Um, I like that the, the question that Aang asks comes from this place of feeling ashamed and afraid about the choice he made and that Ira responds with saying well I think that was very wise this in- this very wise person who's had all of this lived experience to you know a 12 year old it was great it was a lovely little scene a 112 year old they're both fair. the oldest people on the show no. to be fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Marcus says so this is also the last of the original Iroh voice actor right and we should you know take a moment yeah. to to pay some tribute to Mako who's been fantastic as Iroh of course legendary voice acting career um yes and acting is, career and acting mm-hmm. career yeah. he was great yeah um so yeah so he passed away which is why he's not the voice in uh, for Iroh in season three um but yeah so good Mako's amazing. I forgot. I had forgotten before we started. I had forgotten that he was the voice, and so when I was looking up at the first episode, I was like, "Oh, that's right! Oh, yay!" Yeah, no, he's so good, so good, so good. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless anybody has any other final details about the finale, that will wrap up our conversation for today. Next week, we'll be back on Monday with our listener, uh, like season wrap up thing that we always do which is gonna be super fun looking forward to that so hopefully you guys will be able to join us for that um yeah and i don't have any episodes for us to guess have you guessed things about Elson, so we're gonna just leave it there oh you could tell me the title of the season three premiere come on (laughs) well because we're gonna do that on on, on monday fine okay yeah also everyone we're all only going to do the season pre season three premiere by itself oh Um, yeah on Tuesday, um, just because again of how episode numbers like, shake like out, like how the the, the multi parters work out, yeah, yeah. So the premiere is just going to be its own discussion. Cool. Right. So if you're watching ahead because you're like, I can watch that one before you know, stop after one. Yeah. Well, that will wrap up our conversation. Thank you to Marcus, Diego, and Scotty for hanging out with us today in the chat. And everybody for listening. We will be back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.